0: One, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is available for free in iTunes and at TheJazzSession.com. My guest today is bassist Rufus Reed. He's got a new trio record called Out Front, and uh, this is the first track from it. His own composition, Glory. My guest is composer and bassist Rufus Reed. He's got a new CD called Out Front uh, with his trio, and I could either list all the things that Rufus has done, and then the show will be over, or we can just uh, start talking to him. Thank you so much for being on the show today. <laughs> well,
1: thank you very much, Jason. <laughs> thank you. My pleasure.
0: Uh, this uh, this trio it's just obvious from the from the first moments uh, has something special and you even make mention of that uh, in your notes for the record that you feel like there have only been a few times in your life when you've found that particular chemistry um, that a band of any size requires to, re- to really be magical and you you say that this trio contains it will you tell folks who's in the trio and what you think makes it so special
1: okay um, the Pianist. His name is uh, Stephen Ali, and uh, the drummer is the D- D- da Fonseca, uh, a drummer for, uh, who hails from Brazil, but he's been living in New York over almost close to 35 years. Um, and uh, we, I guess it's been, uh, this is 2010, it's been at least uh, a couple years. That we began to play together as a unit, and from the very first time, it it just felt special. Um, which was, uh, you know, after the first time you said, "Well, okay, that was really nice," and then the second time it got seemingly was uh, as good as not better, and then uh, the next time was. Wow, it just kinda of jumped off the charts and I said, hey, this is uh this is really uh, quite special. Uh the Duca and I have been threatening to play with each other um probably for twenty five years but have just never never you know, the circumstance just never happened. And um, um and uh Steve Ali and I uh we've never really played to this depth before, but we've known each other a lot longer, uh, both as a uh, teaching and a summer uh, jazz uh, camp with Jamie Abersold over, you know, I say the last 10 years, and we played, and every time I played with Steve, it was always really wonderful, and no matter where the music goes, uh, whatever idiom it happens to be, it was special, so... Um, Uh, it's really a pleasure for me to be able to play with these guys now and particularly now that it's seemingly resonating uh, throughout the country.
0: look for in in a band or in bandmates? And particularly, this is a, essentially a, an album of a rhythm section. What do you look for in the people who are going to be that close to you in performance? What makes it work for you?
1: Well, things happen that you didn't even begin to even talk about. Um, one of the things about playing jazz is you know, um, we all can play alone, and once we decide to uh, plays a duo, and then that changes the, the dynamic. And, uh, um, and then, of course, the trio uh, is something about uh, nobody's everyone is feeling these guys are feeling the same way I am regarding uh, things are happening that we couldn't have planned uh, even if we tried to because, um, and that's the best thing about playing this music. Try to make things happen, and, of course, that's the worst if you try to make it happen. And uh, the best part is when it happens, when you're least expecting it, (laughs) and it kind of jumps off the charts, you know.
0: You made the decision uh, on this recording to showcase compositions by the three of you. There are, are also two compositions um, by other folks, but they're primarily by um, you and, and the other members of the trio. Can you talk about uh, why you decided to do that? And then uh, I'm interested, did uh, did these compositions kind of evolve in the studio or on stage uh, as you perform them too? Uh,
1: okay, uh, good question. Uh, well, one of the reasons uh, that I, I felt that particularly because we are using everyone's composition, is because the maturity of the compositions, and we all uh, have been uh, out here a few minutes. Uh, it's, um, I'm a little older than everybody else, but other than that, uh, we have a lot to bring to the bandstand, a lot of experiences, a lot of time, playing in a lot of different uh, configurations. And uh, so uh, we're all kind of uh, bringing that to the table, and which is really special, um, without the ego being in the, in the way. And, but for me, like Steve Ali writes compositions, that kind of makes me just think a little bit differently. Uh, the way that I play, I mean, however people think of Rufus Reed, the bass player, how he plays, because, uh, um, like, for instance, the, the Rise of the row is not something that most people would typically put me into. Um, and with the Brazilian music, it was great to have confirmation from someone who knows the real deal. Uh, about the Brazilian um, rhythms and my contribution as a bassist. And on the same turn, uh Duke has been in New York playing, uh, uh, wanting to come to New York to learn how to play like Elvin Jones and Philly Joe Jones. Uh, and a lot of people have never heard him play that way uh, or play in the, in, in that um, posture. And, uh, this is the first recording um, um, that he's actually getting an opportunity to play other than what people expect him and know of him uh, readily. And that's very exciting for all of us.
0: You can certainly put me in that camp. I, uh, I've i seen uh, Duduka play many times um, over the years, and usually in the setting for which he's become so famous and is rightly recognized as, as one of the masters. Um, and I actually was a little surprised when I saw that he was the third member of this trio, you know, until I heard about the first 15 seconds, and then it seemed you know, to to be uh, the the most obvious thing in the world. I mean, he really, uh, he has kind of assumed this mantle uh, almost as if he'd never played anything else, it seems like.
1: Exactly, and that's exciting to me. So we all have these things to bring. Uh, He's getting confirmation from from me because I've had an opportunity to play with people like Mel Lewis, Jack DeGeney, Billy Higgins, Uh, you know, uh, and i know what it feels like um and uh, even even roy Haynes when i was younger i uh, got a little chance to play with him so i know what it feels like when it when it feels good and 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 i give him that confirmation because he's a little apprehensive about it you know is this cool enough and it's just yeah man this is feeling great and, and same thing with me we're playing one of these, uh, one of the compositions that he brings in, and, uh, um, and, and he wants to play it by own. Now, I mean, and I say, Am I doing this right? He says, Yeah, it feels great. So it that is really quite wonderful,
0: you know. One uh, one composition in particular of yours on this record that I, I hope you'll talk about, uh, and it's one that I, I think uh, goes a long way toward giving folks another look at you, both as a writer and as a player, is uh, Caress the Thought. Will you talk a little bit about the origin of that composition? And I know that it's you're putting it to other uses, too, in terms of choreography. Uh, can you just tell folks a little bit about Caress the Thought?
1: Tim Higgins and I... Um, Tim Higgins brought me to Sweden... Uh, over two years ago, and I had some of my big band music that I had been writing, and a lot of people didn't even know I'm writing big band music. And so part of the situation was for me to be commissioned to write a piece for the occasion. And uh, so I had him in mind for this. But as a little germ of an idea, uh, there's a wonderful bassist, uh, by the name of Diana Gannett. She's um, a classical bassist primarily, um, but she lives in uh, uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan. She teaches, she's a professor of double bass at the uh, University of Michigan at Ann Arbor. And this woman plays so much bass, she'd play a whole note, and I have goosebumps. You know, it's just, just amazing. And so I've, We've been doing some workshops over the years, uh, uh, contributing uh, with the people uh, with Richard Davis and uh, working with some young players in Madison, Wisconsin. And every time I see her, I, I'm always thrilled and to hear her play. And I said, one day I'm going to write the music. I'm going to write something for you. little German of an idea, and then it was almost the same period as when we had confirmation of me going to Sweden to do this thing with uh, Tim Hagens, and uh, so it began to kind of come to fruition. Um, I have a big band piece of this, and it's called uh, Time for Nostalgia and it's basically the, I mean it's, it's different but it's, it's uh, kind of the same core and uh, but I wrote this piece for Diana uh, and it's called Caress the Daughter and it's just for bass and piano and it's she's not a jazz improviser uh, at, at all and so everything is through composed and I wrote it out and uh, people seem to like it you know but it's, it's Kind of coming out of the same germ, but it's a, it's a different piece of music. And
0: uh,
1: uh, and now I'm I'm actually here in Texas doing this uh, thing on Saturday, on uh, Sunday actually, with uh, Michelle Brangwen and her dance company and Tim Higgins. And there she's choreographed uh, a a dance to caress the Thoughts." So I said, man, what? going on here you know it's has seemingly it's uh uh resonating in that way um uh, but that's kind of where it kind of came from and uh, uh it's very exciting
0: Of Tim Higgins, uh, I talked with uh, Peter Erskine a couple days ago, and uh, was also yeah. involved in the same uh, large ensemble project that you were just referencing. And um, I asked him this question as, as it uh, as it relates to the drum set, and I'm interested to hear your opinion as it relates to the bass. Uh, and what different, what if any different approach is necessary for you to take when you're the bassist behind a large ensemble as opposed to you know in this more intimate. Uh, trio setting that we hear, and obviously your your experience in the large ensemble setting, you know, goes back uh, to the uh, the early parts of your career with Thad Jones and Mel Lewis. Uh, but I'm just interested in in how you have to approach if you have to approach them differently. How do you approach them differently?
1: Well, uh, very good question. I, I basically don't approach it any differently than any other solo that I play in, whether it be with instrumentalists or vocalists. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, and we're talking about vocalists who are who are uh, creative people, and, and they actually, uh, who are musicians, too, instead of just people who are singers. And um, the music at hand is the only thing that would dictate me playing anything differently. But I approach it the same. Uh, I try to fulfill whatever the music suggests. Um and I think what some people do is try to bring their agenda and put it on everything and it sometimes it just doesn't work. Uh they do that before they actually find out what it is they're really trying to deal with. But as a basis I really feel uh the small group for the obvious reason, um, you have a lot more latitude, uh perhaps because you uh I thought about this a lot because you're not the first person to ask this, and I, I really don't approach it any differently. When I play with a big band, uh, I have more people to take down the toilet if I mess up, <laughs> you know. Uh, and I, you know, I talk about um, bass players having the unique ability to completely sabotage every ensemble they play in if they lose sight of the focus of what what, they're, what are they doing what is what is, the, what is the agenda what is the purpose why if there are chord changes and you're not making it clear i'm not depending on the saxophone player or the piano player nor the drummer to, to make me uh, uh, play any better um, and and i really and when i think about it in, in that regard i don't i don't uh, make any differences within the ensemble. You know, like uh, there was one person who uh, told me years ago, he says, uh, you know, I love you hearing you with Tommy Flanagan. It's so great. And he says, but you're, you, you know, I don't really like him. I don't like Jack DeJohnette. Why do you play with him? You know, and, and, I, and I was so taken aback that he was so brash to even just ask me that question. You know, <laughs> And I said, well, you know, first of all, I love both of them. They're different people. They, and they require, uh, uh, what's at hand. And if I try to, uh, um, there are freedoms, rhythmic freedoms, even harmonic freedoms, that, uh, playing with Jack DeJanet or McCoy Tyner, uh, or Andrew Hill, or someone like that, as opposed to Tommy Flanagan. I mean, if you know anything about music, you listen to Tommy Flanagan and Andrew Hill, they are different. And when I learned how to play with Andrew, nothing that I knew worked. So I had to actually listen and play with him. And it taught me a big lesson.
0: Many people, I'm guessing, probably don't know that you spent a significant number of years as a trumpet player when you were uh, when you were coming up. And uh, I- I'm interested: when you were playing trumpet, did you always feel like you were hearing things in a different register and w- wondering how to get that sound that you were hearing, and, and thus the bass? Or is that uh, does that have nothing to do with with why the switch?
1: Well, actually, it had really nothing to do with it, to be quite honest with you. I. I had no clue what I was trying to do. I mean, I was hearing things. I, uh, when I was playing trumpet, I didn't know much about the inner workings of chords and harmony. Uh, I, what I did have was an ear, though, and if I didn't like the note I heard, i just changed it to another note. And that's basically how I uh, approached the bass. And I began to teach myself when I was uh, in the military, uh the bass, and I kept the trumpet up. When I sold my trumpet, I played it better than I ever played it in my life. But I didn't care about it anymore. The bass basically consumed me.
0: Does having been a horn player um, affect the way you play the bass? I
1: think it does. Uh, From a a single line um, melodic instrument, I think melody a lot. I couldn't swear to it, but I, I think it has um helped me because you know um the um monophonic aspect of a single line instrument uh i uh, you have the string of notes, and i I guess I have that melodic quality and it just seems logical to me uh and then when I began to understand what the bass actually did became functional uh with the chords that still didn't mean it didn't have to couldn't be melodic and that's where a lot of things i think a lot of uh uh bass players get confused sometimes uh, being functional and melodic at the same time i mean you have someone like uh uh well uh you know your great your great bass players Oscar Pettiford uh Jimmy Blanton, and Oscar, you know Ray Brown i mean these are people uh, Paul chambers uh, these people, if you just isolated their bass uh, notes, uh, it would be a melody everywhere, you know. So, um, and yet at the same time, functional, you know, and this is what I try to acquire.
0: you have uh you've done just so much in your career both on the the education side and uh, in the jazz world and even out you know outside the jazz world uh, as, as a performer what is it that that keeps uh, the the music fresh and exciting for you after all the thousands of stages that you've been on
1: playing with people who still have the passion to to stretch and and um, look for uh, something that they didn't Plan on happening. Uh, We can become very comfortable in our uh, status if we allow it to happen, and it's easy to do. Uh, In fact, it's so easy. Uh, Some people are very boring to listen to because they really uh, they've stopped uh, searching. They've stopped uh, um, wondering, and I. I kind of live for that. I mean, here I am in uh, uh Houston, Texas right now doing this. uh We had a rehearsal day with the dancers and the other musicians. And man, it was such a fresh, completely different. I was out of my box, and, but I'm playing my music and I'm playing a couple of my tunes and we playing, And yet I'm out of my box because the delivery is totally different. And, it's very, very special. I have um, always been inquisitive. I call people who uh, I've heard them play on the radio or heard the records played, and I would call them up and say, well, wow, you really sound great. And uh, um, uh, there's a pianist by the name of Michelle Rosewoman in New York. We've been playing together all, on and off for 25 years. And this woman is a pretty incredible composer and piano player. She writes some really difficult music, and but she can play all of it. And if you have any question, she said, what well, if this goes like this? And I said, oh, oh, man. So I said, well, and so she's challenging me, and to me... Uh, you get your butt kicked for a few minutes and then you you don't have time to even think about that you're trying to get to the music and that's what I enjoy
0: my guest is composer bassist Rufus Reed uh, he and his trio with Steve Ali and uh <laughs> that's hilarious to do Defonseca whose name I normally can say with no problem uh, their their new album is called Out Front it's on Motema Music and uh, Rufus Reed, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you I wish you continued uh, success and, and continued stretching and reaching it sounds like uh, we're all benefiting from it
1: well thank you very much Jason I, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me and uh, we hope you continue to do what you're doing because we need you out here too
0: That's music from bassist Rufus Reed and his new trio CD, Out Front. I'm Jason Crane. This is The Jazz Session, presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is also available for free at TheJazzSession.com and in iTunes. Thanks to the Respect Sextet for the theme music to this program. They're online at respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Rabel for designing the Jazz Session logo. If you'd like to purchase my first book of poems, Unexpected Sunlight, which is out on Foothills Publishing, you'll find it at jasoncrane.org/store. Jasoncrane.org/store. I'm also doing a number of readings, including one on June 19th in Brooklyn and another in July in State College, Pennsylvania, and others. So uh, please do check out jasoncrane.org for a full calendar of poetry events. Please go out and support live jazz while you're heading out, anywhere, all the time, whenever and wherever you can, and then come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session. Bye. Bye.